Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. We'll, uh, we'll start there. But before we do, I want to share a good testimony with you. We have uh, just heard over the last few days uh, a lady that's, uh, that we've known since our Bible school days. Uh, she worked uh, with Brother Hagin, played the piano in Brother Hagin's healing school for a number of years. I don't even know how long. So we've known her for, um, oh, going on 35 years or so, 35, 36, 37, somewhere around there. And uh, she married another young man that, uh, that we're acquainted with, that uh, we work together with there at the ministry also. And two and a half years ago, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer. And it, uh, it spread into her lymph nodes. I'm not sure exactly what the, uh, what the uh, condition was when they found it. Um, but it was, it was very serious. It developed into stage four cancer. It spread into her bones, uh, into her organs. As a matter of fact, it spread so much into her bones uh, that it broke her vertebra. She, um, uh, just as a, uh, a course or part of the, the course of the progression of the, the sickness that was taking place in her body, uh, it weakened her bones so much that just minding her own business, I don't know if she was sitting or standing or whatever she was doing, but her back broke. And um, this went on for two and a half years. And she was believing God, and there were other people around the country. Her husband's a traveling minister, and so there were others that were aware of it. And, and we were aware uh, a little bit. We didn't have all the details on it until after the, uh, the end of the story. But she uh, reported just a couple of days ago that she's cancer-free, that, uh, that the doctor's reports, all the doctor's tests, everything have uh, identified that she is free from every trace of cancer. It's not her lymph nodes. It's no longer in her organs. It's no longer in her bones. I said that. Keep up. It got as bad as it could possibly get. And as a matter of fact, I didn't get this firsthand, but I was told by somebody else that it had progressed to such a point that she decided not to take the doctor's treatment or recommended treatment because of the, the, the seriousness and the effect it would have upon her body. They wanted to take out basically everything on the inside. Um, most of the, the vital organs that she had, and it would have um, uh, ensured her, her death in just a short period of time. And the chemotherapy that they were uh, um, proposing was so high strength and so such a radical treatment that it would have decreased her quality of life just to nothing. So she got to the point where she just said, you know, Lord, it's me and you. Either the word's true or it's not. And praise God, she's cancer-free. Isn't that a good testimony? Folks, God work, God's Word works. God's Word works. Now, along that line, and I, I really had an, um, uh, a witness of the Holy Ghost to do something tonight that I've never done before, and that is I'm going to read a sermon. I'm not one that, um, that typically uses notes. There are certain things that I'll have to refer to notes on and stuff like that, but uh, this is just not, not the way that I normally operate, but um, I just really have a witness in my heart to read uh, this sermon. So I'm going to do so. You ready? Many people fail to receive what they pray for because of a lack of understanding about confession. In Hebrews 3, verse 1, Christianity is called a profession. The Greek word here translated profession is the same as the one usually translated confession. The word confession in the Greek language means saying the same thing. It means to believe and say what God says about our sins, 
our sicknesses, and everything else included in our redemption. Confession is an affirmation of a Bible truth we have embraced. Confession is simply believing with our hearts and repeating with our lips God's own declaration of what we are in Christ. The Holy Spirit in 1 Peter 2.24 says, By whose stripes you were healed. We are to believe and say the same thing. When our affirmation is the word of God, he watches over it to make it good. Jeremiah 1.12 Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. In Hebrews 3.1 we are commanded to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. When it is in accordance with God's word, Jesus, our high priest, acts in our behalf according to what we confess. Paul tells us that he preached the word of faith. He said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice here that the confession saying the same thing that God says, is by faith. It is believing and confessing before experiencing the result. The confession comes first, and then Jesus, our high priest, responds with the new birth. It is not salvation unto confession, but confession unto salvation. There is no such thing as salvation without confession. Faith is acting on God's word. This always puts God to work fulfilling his promise. Well, the question then is, what are we to confess? Few Christians today have recognized the place confession holds in God's plan for our appropriation of his blessings. Whenever the word confession is used, many instinctively think of confessing sin, weakness, and failure. This is only the negative side of this great question. Our negative confession of sin was open was only to open the way for the positive confession unto salvation. This covers a whole lifetime of believing with our heart and saying with our lips everything God says to us in his promises. Confessing unto salvation in its initial form and then in each of its successive forms is essential. We confess God's word first in the form of the new birth then in the form of every blessing that is promised to us. The Christian is to act on every phase of his salvation that he knows about. We are to believe with the heart and confess with our mouth to the extent of the word of faith which Paul preached. He preached all the counsel of God. He preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said that he kept back nothing that was profitable to them. All that Jesus did in his substitutionary work is the private property of the individual for whom Jesus did it. I'm going to read that again. All that Jesus did in his substitutionary work is the private property of the individual for whom Jesus did it. Throughout our Christian life, God wants us to believe with our heart and say with our lips all that he says we are in Christ. We are not to ignore or neglect our legal standing in Christ. It is the basis for the acts of faith that puts God to work fulfilling his word in us. We are to confess or whisper in our own heart, in him I am complete. 
when we know that the word that God is in his word says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, we are to believe it and confess it with our lips. Christ will act as our high priest and make it good. We are to confess that Calvary was our emancipation proclamation, freeing us from everything outside the will of God and act accordingly. We are to confess that our sicknesses were laid on Christ and that we are redeemed from the curse of disease. Let him that is weak say, I am strong, for the Lord is my strength. Our confession includes the whole of Scripture truth, all that is sacrifice provided, all that his high priesthood covers, the whole of God's revealed will. We are to confess that our redemption is complete. Satan's dominion is ended. Calvary has freed us. We are to believe that we are free on the basis of our emancipation proclamation, never on the basis of our feelings or on the evidences of our senses. Remission is the wiping out of everything connected with the old life. We are a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things are become new. We are to make continual confession of our redemption from Satan's dominion. Of course, we're not to say to others that our healing is fully manifested before it is. God does not say that. But you can say to those who ask you, I am standing on the word of God. We never rise above our confession. A negative confession will lower us to the level of that confession. It is what we confess with our lips that really controls us. Our confession imprisons us if it is negative or sets us free if it's positive. Many are always telling of their feelings and their lack of faith. Invariably, they go to the level of their confession. Confessing a lack of faith increases doubt. Every time you confess doubts and fears, you confess your faith in Satan and deny the ability and grace of God. When you confess doubt, you are imprisoned with your own words. Proverbs 6, 2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken captive with the words of thy mouth. When we doubt his word, it is because we believe something else that is contrary to that word. Wrong confession shuts the father out and lets Satan in. We are to refuse to have anything to do with wrong confessions. When we realize that we will never rise above our confession... We are getting to the place where God can use us. Disease gains the ascendancy when you confess the testimony of your senses. Feelings and appearances have no place in the realm of faith. Confessing disease is like signing for a package that the express company has delivered. Satan then has the receipt from you showing that you have accepted it. Don't accept anything that Satan brings Give no place to the devil. First Peter 4.11 If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In Ephesians 4.29 We are commanded to speak only that which is good to the use of edifying. We are not to testify for the adversary. We are to act faith, speak faith, and think faith. In Philippians 4.8 The Holy Spirit says, Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I would add that the Word of God qualifies for each of those characteristics. The Holy Spirit says in Proverbs, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, the Holy Spirit says the weapons of our warfare are mighty, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We are to cast down imaginations or reasonings and give the Word of God its place in our minds and on our lips. Jesus remembers when he bore your sicknesses. The Holy Spirit commands, Forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases. God's spiritual and physical transformations are to come to us by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says to present your bodies, which is the home or laboratory of the five senses, five senses present your bodies a living sacrifice, and be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A spiritual law that few recognize is that our confession rules us. It is what we confess with our lips that really dominates our inner being. Make your lips do their duty. Refuse to allow them to destroy the effectiveness of God's word in your case. Some confess with their lips but deny in their hearts. They say, yes, the word is true. But in their hearts, they say, it is not true in my case. The confession of your lips has no value as long as your heart repudiates it. Hebrews 4.14 in the American Standard Version says, Having then a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. This is the confession of our faith and the redemptive work that God has wrought in Christ. I am told to hold fast to the confession of the absolute integrity of the Bible. I am told to hold fast to the confession of the work of Christ in all its phases. I am told to hold fast to the confession that God is the strength of my life. I am told to hold fast to the confession that surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my diseases and that by His stripes I am healed. God says this, and we are to believe and say the same things. We are to know what our rights are as revealed by the word and then hold fast to the confession of those rights. When you know that Christ took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, hold fast to your confession of this truth. When you read, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, hold fast to this confession. We are to hold fast our confession of what Christ has done for us in order that it may be done in us. Let me rephrase that. We are to hold fast of our confession of the healing that Christ has obtained for us in order that it may be done in us. We are to hold fast to the confession of our redemption from Satan's dominion. We are to hold fast to our confession in the face of all contrary evidence. God declares that with his stripes we are healed. I am to confess what God says about my sickness 
and hold fast to this confession. I am to recognize the absolute truthfulness of these words in advance of any visible change. I am to act on these words and thank him for the fact that he laid my sickness on Christ the same as he did my sins. Healing is always in response to faith's testimony. Some fail when things get difficult because they lose their confession. Disease like sin is defeated by the confession of our word, our confession of the word. Make your lips do their duty. Fill them with the word. Make them say what God says about your sickness. Don't allow them to say anything to the contrary. Believing God's word with our heart implies our having put off the old man with his habit of judging by the evidence of the senses. Faith regards all contrary symptoms as lying vanities as Jonah did and puts the word in the place of the senses. Our only problem is to keep in harmony with God's word and not allow the senses to usurp that place of the word. We cease to agree with doubting Thomas who says, except I shall see, I will not believe. We are to prove Christ's own words. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. The word is lifeless until faith is breathed into it on your lips. The word is lifeless until faith is breathed into it on your lips. Then it becomes a supernatural force. Well, I got to read that again. The word is lifeless until faith is breathed into it on your lips. Then it becomes a supernatural force. Make your lips harmonize with the word of God. Christ's high priestly ministry meets our every need from the moment of our new birth until we enter heaven. Why are we to hold fast our confession? Because Christ is the high priest of our confession. Hebrews four fourteen through 16. Because he's a great high priest. Because he's a merciful high priest. Because he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Because he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is always ready to give us grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus is the high priest of our confession, our success is assured. When you confess that by his stripes I am healed and hold on to your confession, no disease can stand before you. Just thank the Father and praise him whenever a need confronts you that is covered by redemption and it is yours. Faith is thanking God from the heart for healing that has not yet been manifested. We are as sure of this as if it were manifested. The confession of your lips that has grown out of the faith in your heart will absolutely defeat the adversary in every conflict. Christ's words broke the power of demons and healed the sick. They do the same thing today when we believe and confess them. The word will heal you if you will continually confess it. God will make your body obey your confession of his word, for no word of God is void of power. Luke 1, 37. If I dare say that Psalm 34, 10 is true, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing and stand by my confession, God will make good all I have confessed. Nothing will establish you and build your faith as quickly as confession. Confess it in your heart first. Then confess it out loud in your room. Say it over and over again. 
Say it until your spirit and your words agree. Say it until your whole being swings into harmony and into line with the word of God. Christ's words are filled with himself. And as we act on them, they fill us with Christ. We are to obey the word as we would obey Jesus if he stood visibly in our presence. When coming to God for salvation in its initial form and then in every other form afterward, one thing is necessary. Our confession of and surrender to Christ's lordship is required. The Holy Spirit says in Colossians 2.6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Romans 14.9, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Appropriating faith for the fulfillment of any promise implies our surrender to his lordship. It is while we are surrendered to him as Lord over our lives that he's ready to heal us, baptize us with the Spirit, give us the Zoe God kind of life, be within us a fountain springing up into everlasting life, make our legal standing our experience, manifest his person in the form of every blessing promised, be himself our strength, our portion, and our all, give us the unlimited use of his name, Enable us to cast out demons in his name. Anoint us for preaching. Enable us to lay our hands on the sick for their recovery. Your success and usefulness in the world is going to be measured by your confession and by the tenacity which, with which you hold fast to that confession under all circumstances. God can be no bigger in you than you confess him to be. In the face of every need, Confess that the Lord is your shepherd and that you do not want. I hope you see why I read that. Is that not powerful? Now I want you to want to draw your attention to something. I'm not going to try to add much to this because I don't think there's anything to add to it. But I want you to notice in Hebrews 3, 1, the verse that he started off with. This is taken from Christ the Healer. This is F.F. F. Bosworth. But he credits a lot of the, the thoughts and the, the, uh, uh, the ideas to E.W. Kenyon. But in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, I believe Paul's the author of this, but it's the Holy Spirit-inspired writing. So whoever's the author is God talking to us. He said, Wherefore, holy brethren, that means Christians, that means you and me, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Notice it says Jesus is the high priest of your profession. See, a lot of times, well, let me define or describe the work of the high priest. In the Old Testament, and this is written to the Jews, those that understood the temple worship and the rituals, and they understood the high priest and the high priest role and so forth. We don't a lot of times, I don't think, unless we have some kind of knowledge of Jewish history, which many of us don't. But nevertheless... He's writing to people that understand how the high priest works. The high priest does not go into the temple or into the holy place on his own. He doesn't go into the holy place to offer a sacrifice for his own sins. On the day of atonement, the high priest first had to make atonement for his own sins before he ever took the blood of the lamb into the holy place to administer it for the, uh, on behalf of the people. 
In other words, he's not going in there for himself. He's not allowed to go in there for himself. He goes in there based on the position, there meaning the, the Holy of Holies. He goes into the Holy of Holies for one reason and for one reason only. And that is because God has appointed him to a position to represent the people to God himself. He doesn't go in there for himself. Well, what does he go in on behalf of the people with? Well, if they haven't made a sacrifice, he can't go. He goes in without anything to take. He goes into the Holy of Holies only after the people have made their sacrifices. And then the sacrifice is made once and for all for the nation. And he takes the blood of the goat that was sacrificed into the Holy of Holies, not for his own sins, but for the sins of the nation. In other words, the high priest can only give unto God, the high priest can only present unto God what is presented to him by the people themselves. Well, if Jesus is the high priest, the apostle and the high priest of your profession, and that word profession is the same word confession, that means the only thing that the Bible ever identifies that God goes before the Father with on your behalf are the words of your mouth. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't think that the work of the, Jesus as our high priest now is to make sure you're forgiven from sin. That's already taken care of. That was a one-time sacrifice. But for example, if you're trying to go to God with good works, if you're trying to say, Lord, heal me because I've been a good Christian, Jesus can't take that in. I was talking to a guy not long ago, and he said, well, Pastor Mike, I want you to agree with me for such and such. He said, now, now you don't need to understand, I've kept myself sexually pure for the last four years. And I said, well, that's great. I'm glad for you. That'll avoid a lot of problems in this life. But that doesn't really cut any ice with God. God doesn't respond to sexual purity. Jesus is not the high priest of your sexual purity. He's the high priest of your confession. That's why faith is the only way to receive from God. Because the only thing Jesus has to work for on your behalf, work with on your behalf, before the Father, are the words of your mouth. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say God watches over your good works to perform his word. The Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. The only thing God will ever have, the only thing Jesus as your high priest will ever have to work with is the confession of your mouth. And it is the confession of your lips, your words, that make everything that Jesus has done for our bodies a reality in our bodies. Your confession is everything. It's absolutely everything. Let's pray. I feel like the more I talk, the more I take away from what was said. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is true. Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we are healed. I love to be reminded of what this sermon says, Father, that Jesus remembers the day that he bore our sickness. He remembers it. And we're commanded to forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. Therefore, we say, the same thing that your word says, Father. 
we say we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Not according to what we see, not according to what we feel, for feelings and appearances have no place in the realm of faith. We say, based on the truth of your word, that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. And we refuse to say anything to the contrary. We will make our lips do their duty and speak in accordance with your word. We will hold fast the confession of our faith, knowing that no disease can stand in the face of the word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, full of life and full of power. Thank you, Father, for your healing power that works in us even as we confess that which we believe in our heart, that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father, that our victory is assured. It's already done. It's already done. Thank you, Lord, that it's ours by faith, according to our confession, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.